Welcome to Veteran Voices, a podcast dedicated to giving a voice to those that have served in the United States Armed Forces. On this series, jointly presented by Supply Chain Now and Vets2 Industry, we sit down with a wide variety of veterans and veteran advocates to gain their insights, perspective, and stories from serving. We talk with many individuals about their challenging transition from active duty to the private sector, and we discuss some of the most vital issues facing veterans today. Join us for this episode of Veteran Voices. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us again today. This is Mary-Kate Saliva here with you, Veteran Voices. I am your host, and I'm so glad that you're joining us today because we have a really great interview teed up with an incredible veteran who's given back so much already while on active duty and off active duty. Just a quick programming note before we get started. This program is part of the incredible Supply Chain Now family of programming. And today's show is conducted in partnership with the Guam Human Rights Initiative and Military Women's Collective. Military Women's Collective is doing incredible things out in California and nationwide for our women veterans everywhere. You can find out more at militarywomenscollective.org. And for the Guam Human Rights Initiative, find out more about them and the great work they're doing at guamhri.org. And you can learn more about and tune in to Veteran Voices wherever you get your podcasts. So, okay, without further ado, I'm super excited to introduce you to a Marine Corps veteran. Our guest today served 27 years in the United States Marine Corps. I was just saying to him earlier that not too many make that and achieve that feat. So I think that's fantastic. And I'm just really excited to introduce you to him because he just retired recently. But not just that, he's continuing to serve beyond the uniform. And that is why I'm so glad he's joining us here on Veteran Voices. Brian Russell, thank you so much for joining us, Brian. Mary-Kate, thanks for having me on. It is an absolute pleasure to be here, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yes, absolutely. I know once a Marine, always a Marine. So I said retired. I'm not going to use past tense, but I'm super excited about having you pump us up with some motivation matter what day of the week that our listeners are tuning in, wanted to hear from you a favorite motivational quote, saying, song. You can sing to us if you want, but I'm ready. I think our listeners are ready too. Okay. I've actually got two sayings, I guess you, you can say. Two things that have been on my mind. You mentioned about continuing to give back, and I've been toying around with this idea of starting a couple of Substack channels, an independent writer's platform. Uh, I enjoy writing and think I want to get some of my thoughts down. One, about just my experiences, 27 years in the Marine Corps. I've been a bit of learning, as you can imagine, over those 27 years. And so the title of this sub, but kind of the saying that motivates me throughout the day, throughout my career, but even today now, the three key questions any officer asks himself or herself throughout the day, they are, what do I know? Who should know what I know? And have I told them? It's, it gets back to that Marine Corps bias for action, trying to make decisions, trying to outcycle an adversary. Like information is pretty important. And so whenever you receive new information, it usually prompts some type of action. And that action is typically sharing that with someone else who needs to know that information. So just this idea of 
I know some things. I don't mind sharing those things. So maybe I ought to write those down and share those. So again, what do I know? Who should know what I know? And have I told them? It's just things, something I ask myself throughout the day, like, and that includes my wife. Mary Kate, like Don't forget your wife. this thing happened around the house today. Now, yeah. And you can imagine I'm around the house a little bit more being retired. <laughs> maybe I should tell uh, Kathy what is going on. So that's one. And then the other relates to a passion of mine. And I know we'll talk more about that in the podcast uh, is mountain biking. I've been mountain yes. biking for almost all those 27 years, just really as a sport has done a world of good for me. But the phrase I always remind myself before a ride, or maybe even the, in the midst of a ride is, Keep the rubber side down. You can imagine if you see the rubber, your tires up above you, yes. things are getting pretty exciting. Probably <laughs> not for good exciting. So yeah, just keep the rubber side down is another thing. I'm thinking about writing about how we approach the sport of mountain biking and keeping everyone safe out there, but having fun too. Keeping the rubber side down keeps things kind of on track. Yes, pun intended. Yes, I love the puns. Keep them coming. And one of the things, I'm glad you mentioned both of those scenes because I actually had not heard them and we haven't had any other guests mention them. So I think that's like where rubber meets the road and you just keep going. And as you alluded to, you're doing incredible work with the North Carolina Interscholastic Cycling League. And we talk about it, we call it the... I usually introduce myself as the new director of the North Carolina Mountain Bike League. But yes, North Carolina Interscholastic Cycling League is a lot to say. But because I grew up in the Marine Corps and everything turns into an acronym, when you write down that acronym, Nikigal. I'm trying to think of like, yes, it giving you a mouthful, but it's just incredible work that you're doing. I know we're going to talk about it later in the episode, but for our listeners, new director here, Ryan's spearheading the initiative on the North Carolina Interscholastic Cycling League. And just excited to listen more. So stay tuned there. And just wanted to know, I did mention 27 years of service in the U.S. Marine Corps. And I was like, we're not going to go way, way back, but we're going to kind of go way back to talk about your upbringing and if you could tell the listeners a little bit about where you grew up, I just love taking this back of veterans. I feel like we learned so much about where we came from before we decided to serve our country. Yeah, I grew up in, I'll call it Northern Virginia. My parents moved around a couple towns up there, Springfield, Burke, Fairfax, but generally stayed in the area. Neither of my parents were in the military, but uh-huh. a lot of military personnel, a lot of my friends, their father or mother was in the military, just being close to the nation's capital and the Pentagon, as you can understood kind of what the military lifestyle was about from their perspective, because they would leave in two or three years, right? On a set of orders. But really what inclined me to military service was my grandfather, Jim Hamilton, a World War II veteran. He flew torpedo bombers for the United States Navy in the South Pacific during World War II. And he was just an admirable man, just was of that greatest generation that we talk about a lot. And just, man, if I could grow up to be like Jim Hamilton, uh, that that would be awesome. And I thought his military service was probably a piece of that sacrifice and uh, working with others and giving back to the nation. That that was something that was very attractive to me and I wanted to do, wanted, wanted to serve the nation. And just a part of that growing up, I'll, I'll mention an organization, the Naval Sea Cadet Corps. I put my toe in the water for this military service thing. There I am, age of 14. I'm in Orlando, Mary-Kate, when the Navy still ran a boot camp down there. So your first kind of summer tour as a, a sea cadet is going to Navy boot camp for two weeks. Like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? It it was it was interesting. It was eye-opening for this young man. But what I appreciated was the structure and the leadership and the camaraderie. And that just signed me up. So going off to college, got a scholarship for the Naval Reserve Officer Training Corps at North Carolina State University and uh, was initially a Navy option midshipman. But then I started having conversations with with my future father-in-law. 
So Kathy and I, my wife, we met in high school. Oh, you and, did? Uh, oh gosh, I want to dig deeper on that story. Yeah, yeah I'm about to great. tell a little bit of it. So yeah, we met her in Northern Virginia. Again, father assigned headquarters Marine Corps. And so we met in high school. We decided oh, to go to great. school in North Carolina together. So I went to, I jokingly say, the premier academic institution in North Carolina, North Carolina State <laughs> University. Kathy went to Chapel Hill, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. So I married a Tar Heel and there's a whole house divided aspect of our relationship, but really it's not a big deal. But anyway, so yeah, Kathy's dad was serving as a colonel as as I'm in in school and joke about it with Kathy and say, I just want to make sure I was guaranteed I could marry her. So I decided to join the Marine Corps, but it was really what- What a way to put yourself. (laughs) Yeah, there's- Again, there's some truth to that. Like, take no chances. Kathy's dad's a Marine. Maybe I should join the Marine Corps. But really what Bob shared with me about the Marine Marine Corps' approach to taking care of its people, it is about both the people and the mission, the emphasis on leadership, the emphasis on those type of things more than I was seeing out of the Navy side of things just became really attractive to me. So put in my application to change Marine option. And uh, there I was in December 1995 getting commissioned as a second lieutenant. United States Marine Corps. I love that. With just the legacy there, even though your parents didn't serve, but you have you talk about Grandpa Hamilton there and part of the greatest generation. I actually think that this morning, almost positive that I ran into a World War II veteran from that I had seen at Ren Reading, Pennsylvania's largest World War II air show. And just every time I see someone from the greatest generation, I'm just like, wow, just want to talk to them and hear what I can about from them. And then of course, being from Guam, I was like, when you mentioned the Pacific, I was like, yes. But even more so the fact that you had to put yourself through Marine Corps training for the sake of your future father and son. It just, I'm just imagining you as a young man doing that, but gosh, Kathy, Sure, scooped up a good one that you're willing to go and through all of that because we know how to probably out of all the branches. I don't know, they say arguably Marine Corps is probably one of the toughest trainings coming in straight with your, and so especially for those enlisted with their feet on the yellow footprints. So if you could tell just real quick, I'm just really curious about what that was like high school with young Brian and young Kathy. Did you all meet in like an English class or something? I think it was a math class, actually. We were in class together and then we both went out for the track team at school. And so started doing some workouts together, long runs, very romantic Mary Kate around the lake, long run or whatever. Uh, Yeah. And we just, we clicked and we kind of knew right then that uh, we just would work out together. And while we're on the topic of Kathy and you mentioned training, she's obviously worth anything I ever went through. She is in fact, the love of my life, but I was trained to do what I was brought in to do in the Marine Corps. I was always given training to do it. Kathy, not so much. The Marine Corps spouse, there's a lot of on the job training and managing me being away. So Kathy probably had the toughest piece of those 27 years in terms of just Absolutely. keeping this household together. And she she deserves a lot of credit for keeping the family together. And yeah, I'm just very blessed that she is still with me after all those 27 years, but I wouldn't have done it any other way without her by my side. I know. And I love that. Gosh, I even have goosebumps. <laughs> I don't know about our listeners, but I think it's just a true testament, even though you mentioned Tar Heels and House Divided, just the strength there of the love from Kathy and holding the ground, what they say, behind every great man, just a a strong partner and spouse with you the whole step of the way, 27 years, but even more so if you count those romantic runs around the lake in high school. And so I don't know why I'm like all of a sudden envisioning like musical Greece here, but I just think that's fantastic. And one of the lessons learned, like you mentioned, Bob, in your in with regards to your father-in-law, would you say that 
there were some, any kind of lessons learned or words of wisdom that he shared with you before you embarked on this journey in the Marine Corps? Yeah, there, there certainly were. And, but I, I think it, let's get back to family here. So my mother-in-law, Marty List, and my father-in-law is Bob List. They were there for us throughout that entire 27 years. One, because I think they knew they walked that same type of journey and it's pretty tough. And right. so there were a lot of Bob and Marty visits to the Russell family while I was away to help out with things, dogs in between PCS moves, those type of things. It's just, I think they knew and they absolutely helped us throughout that entire 27 years. So more than words of wisdom, action, <laughs> loving us through helping when we needed a lot of help to get through some of those tough times. And I think that also with that Bob was able to understand that coming from a place where he was a Marine Corps colonel and just understanding where you were coming from at every phase as you went up the ranks So I think it's just a true testament of just how you were able to be so successful right throughout your career, just having that strong bond with your family and so much support. So I absolutely love that. And definitely when we, as we go on through the episode later on and touch more on that advice and lesson learned, I would love to hear your thoughts too on keeping the family ties strong. And I know that's not a success story for every veteran out there, but I do think it's important to touch on, especially for those who are transitioning. But I wanted to get into your military service here with the Marine Corps and wanted to hear about perhaps a favorite place that you were ever stationed at or sort of a favorite memory of yours during time in service? Yeah. So I've already given a clue anywhere the Marine Corps stationed me where there were good mountain bike trails. Super awesome. So um, you looked into that like right away as soon as you got your orders? No. Yeah. Yeah. It was a consideration. How's that? So Quantico, Virginia, crossroads of the Marine Corps, several assignments there or school assignments, great mountain bike trails in Quantico, just right inside the middle of the base there. Did a tour in Southern California, Camp Pendleton. We lived on base and sure enough, right outside our door was a trail to the trail system out in the training area. And so just get out on the bike. And those that have spent some time in Southern California know the weather is always pretty nice. Never had to consider oh, yeah. like So yeah, those places where we could get outside and spend time as a family and all my family members have done biking in some form or fashion were really good places for us. No, I love that. That's an aspect. Now, is this something that's a whole family affair? Like, does Kathy get out there and kids and when you were going out, you're like, okay, I'm going to find the trails or was it a lot, really a solo how much trouble I'll be in sharing this aspect of <laughs> our relationship. It wasn't maybe five or six years ago. Kathy thought I was a little bit crazy with my mountain biking mm-hmm. because I think she had images of Red Bull Rampage. If you've watched some of the Red Bull mountain biking events, they're going off of ramps and flipping upside down. And oh, yeah. These like 50 foot or higher cliffs. Or like, no, this is not the mountain biking Brian Russell does. Brian Russell gets on. Extreme again, sport. Remember, rubber side down. I'm on a trail and going maybe some fast. And there's a little bit of downhill, but it's really just a pretty moderate trails through the woods. That's my kind of riding. But anyway, now Kathy is a coach on our local mountain bike team here in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And she works at a bike shop here in Jacksonville, <laughs> North Carolina. And a recent financial decision we had to make about moving into our new house was maybe we get a new couch because, you know, all the military veteran members will know you, your stuff moves every couple of years and it gets pretty beat up. So the Russell family couch is pretty beat up. So we're thinking about getting a new couch. You know what Kathy got instead, Mary-Kate? A new mountain bike. So so Kathy has completely turned. <laughs> oh, you converted her. 
there. Um, oh I think I did. I think I claim a victory on this one. Can so I, I tell you though that, especially, I don't know if it's me, my mindset as a woman, I find it's like so hard even to find a gift for the men in my family, but it seems like it's just so much, so easy for the people that love you and your family to just be like, I'm going to get Brian and Kathy some nice stuff because <laughs> it, it does add up. Right. But I'm sure for the holidays, you all got some pretty sweet new bike gear, something like that. How did you know I got Kathy a new mountain bike flannel shirt for uh, what for, for the cooler temperature riding? Matching? Do you all have like a mat? I'm just matching this all matching flannel. So, so Kathy will tell you that matching attire is very important to her mountain biking style of riding, and I'm talking yes. jersey and socks and all that. Me, not so much. <laughs> Yeah, the, takes the it very panel. seriously, Brian. Takes it very yeah. seriously, but yeah. I mean, in yeah, but and in all seriousness, I know we're going to touch on it, but I love that we're weaving it throughout the episode. The great work that both you and Kathy are doing with the North Carolina Interscholastic Cycling League it's just incredible because we know it's so much more than just the biking gear, but it is a sport that everybody can participate in no matter what your skill level, no matter what your age. And you had mentioned that you've done it throughout the Marine Corps. Was this something that you felt like you could connect with your other with fellow Marines on? Did you find that you joined with them or sort of some of that leadership lessons that you took as an officer as leadership lessons for your Marines? Throughout my career, certainly, whether that was a lunchtime group ride with some of my fellow peers around the office or even Right before I retired, I was a commanding officer of two Marine Expeditionary Force Information Group. Uh, mm. We were the Marine Corps has a single Marine program. So, you know, the Marines are in the barracks and we're trying to get some activities for them and bring them together and a focus on getting outside and doing some physical activity. We would use our single Marine program funds to rent mountain bikes and bring them out on the trail for an activity for the single Marines and uh, found that really popular. The Marines, something they hadn't done before. So we would give them a little bit of training, then we go on the trail. And so, yeah, certainly I've woven that throughout my career as either a bonding opportunity for peers or just a leadership opportunity. You get the sport of mountain biking, we'll, we'll probably talk about this more too, is just if you haven't done it, it's a bit of a challenge, either mentally to, I've never done this before, or there are some physical challenges out on the trail. You got to climb, you got to get over an obstacle, something like that. I just That's think it, a- Brian. When I see the hill, I'm like, oh, I try to do that as a bonding extracurricular activity with my better half. And there was a hill. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this hill on this bike or if I'm going to be walking with this bike. Just getting over it is quite a feat. But in the on the Army side of the house, we used our leadership used to take us out on staff rides, whether that's, it was to like a Civil War battlefield, like out at Gettysburg, or, or to go golfing. So it, I find it so important in the bonding aspect. But there's so many life lessons, I think, especially since you started as an early age in biking just and cycling, just how much that's influenced your leadership style and connecting with your fellow Marines. So I think that's great. So with regards to trails, I think that's the first time that I've heard of somebody relating their duty stations to the, how good the trails are <laughs> outside of base. Quality um, of life is important, so. Yeah, you got to stay fit. I mean, I knew, I know the Marines like to stay fit. Physical fit is very important, but uh, yeah, that's a new one for me. I don't know. I'm just still envisioning like your entire family, like even grandma being out there on the bike too. But that's what I love about it. So. With regards to your military career, I really want to hear, especially since you've got, you just finished off 27 years, looking back now, do you see sort of a highlight? I'm sure it's probably hard to pin down a highlight, but is there something that sticks out to you? 
from that time. That's hard to pick a highlight, but I will mm-hmm. just say the blessing of military service, and I'm obviously speaking about the Marine Corps, is working with the Marines. We recruit some of the best and brightest young men and women from across the nation. And they are just, it's eye-watering. The sacrifice they're willing to go through, and this is many of my generation, deployed Iraq, deployed Afghanistan, and true sacrifice, Mary-Kate, right? Like true, everything on the line. And that is just incredibly humbling when you work with that type of spirit, that type of individual, just willing to give it all for the person on the left, the person on the right. And just, they're brilliant. They, you give them a problem and maybe the Marine bias frag, but they just, they solve the problem. You just turn them loose and you point in the right direction and give them some guidance. And it's just, that's the blessing. That's the highlight. Mary Kate is just working with the Marines. They will never disappoint you from a mission perspective. They're always trying to find a way to make that mission happen. And it's just, it is, it's eye-watering. So it's a blessing. Absolutely. Now, I, I love that you mentioned that I had the opportunity to deploy with Marines and it was just, uh, I mean, they're tough, but like you said, the spirit that they have, that they're, even though they fight and bicker like brothers and sisters do, they've got each other's back. And it's like, no one can pick on my brother except me. And I think of like, don't you dare try to, if you try to hurt one of our own, we're going to hurt you kind of thing. But it was something that just to shout out, I have so many friends who are women in the Marine Corps or veterans, and they just are some of the toughest people that I know. And just the things that they have overcome, the things that they have sacrificed, and it doesn't leave them. I still see them doing that and going the extra mile burning the midnight oil both ends. Just incredible service and sacrifice. So I can definitely see where that's a highlight, that it's about all about the people. And I can see that now as a testament to what you're doing, even hanging up the uniform. You haven't stopped that. You're still surrounding yourself with people who are giving more than themselves and continuing to devote that time. So I wanted to touch now on your transition since you're in it right now. And just if you were... To talk, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to some Marines since you hung up the uniform. I know it was, we just coming out of the holidays, but if you were to talk to a room full of Marines now or transitioning service members, what sort of advice would you share with them? Oh, that, that's a great question. I've got three main things on my mind because I, I just went through that. And I think right. the first is own your transition. Approach it like any other mission the Marine Corps has given you or the service has given you. And what I mean by that is we are doing probably the best job I've seen in 27 years of helping service members transition to civilian life. There are some phenomenal resources, phenomenal programs that are available to help with the transition, but it is still a big organization. It is still a big machine and is not going to tailor itself for your individual needs. So you have to own it and follow, make the process work for you, I guess is the way I'm saying. Everyone has an individual desire, background, whatever it is, system is good. Process is good. Like I said, some of the best that I've seen in my 27 years, but you got to make sure you are taking care of yourself through transition. Approach it like like any other mission. The second one would be seek out and listen uh, to people who have gone through transition. Read, talk. A very good friend of mine, long-term mentor, Hank Brown, literally wrote a book on his transition process. I read it. There was a lot of good advice on there and what to expect, both from the how to get through the process, but even the emotional, what's going to be different as you transition out. Another a long-term mentor of mine, Mike Rice, wrote a book on it called Orders to Nowhere. It's kind of funny. Your last set of orders in the Marine Corps too. <laughs> you know what? Not, not like any that. Marine Corps. More puns coming. Orders to Nowhere. But yeah, Rice writes it with a little bit of humor and it's a very good read. But anyway, I would say like seek out 
those folks that have gone through transition and listen to them, take everything on board that they have to say. And then I think the third is a lot of service members will be looking for another job per se. I would reframe that and try and look for your next purpose. Because I think Mm -hmm. that's part of the veteran transition challenge is we are so purposeful in the Marine Corps. You have a very noble mission. And we talked about working folks that are sacrificing on your behalf and you're sacrificing. It's just so purposeful in what we do. It's more than just getting a job that pays the bills. And that's still important. There are still to be met, but finding a purpose, those veterans that find that purpose on the other side, I think do better than the ones that just find the first available thing. And so I just advise service members, if you're thinking, think early, look for purpose, vice just the job, so to speak. You know, that's great advice. So it's, I've got own your transition and then seek out others, perhaps who've been there, done that, but who can help take you to that next step and then find your purpose. I think those are three really great highlights for even for me, who I've been out over a year now off of active duty, and I still feel like I'm transitioning. So some people say that the transitioning doesn't stop. So, and I'll add, I think being kind to yourself, right? I think there's a lot of pressure in having it all figured out, right? When we hang up our uniform, like you said, being able to find that purpose and it doesn't have to be your paid job, right? But I think even as we're about to get into with your nonprofit, that there's ways of volunteering and giving back and finding that purpose again without it being your paid position. So there's definitely great ways to find your next mission and your next purpose. Well, that's, which a, brings, that's a great yeah. point, Mary Kate. That's what led, that's the basis of our relationship. I was seeking out <laughs> mentorship. Like I have no idea what I'm doing in the nonprofit space. That's foreign to a 27-year Marine. So I'm willing to listen to everything you have to tell me about We're going to touch on that part too, is that I think on our first conversation, and I know our listeners are like, what are they talking about? Brian and I met through American Corporate Partners, incredible nonprofit out there, free to service members and their families with regards to mentorship. And looking towards you, Brian, I'm like, you're a 27-year Marine. You've got to figure it out. What in the world could I possibly mentor you on? But I think it's just humbling on both ends that you're, we found that commonality with like where I'm living at now and being just the, our love and our purpose as far as giving back to others and surrounding ourselves with people who can just help us get to that next step. It doesn't, it's that continuous act of learning, right? I just love being active learners. And so I think just that alone about how we met well, well that, that, that. that's so true. And so let me inject just over those 27 years of experience, you get some pr- pretty cool opportunities, one, one of which was being certified as a level one CrossFit instructor. That mm-hmm. opportunity came to me out at Fort Leavenworth at the Army's Command and General Staff College. The Marine colonel in charge of us out there was a big CrossFit guy, convinced the Army to pay for a level one certification for 60 majors. In the class. So he's like, hey, Russell, you want to be a level one CrossFit coach? Like, you're paying for it? Yes, sir. Like, sign me <laughs> sure, up. Let's so, do it. you know, this is 2008. I'd heard of CrossFit, didn't really know it. So I went through level one cert and uh, kind of became came hooked on the CrossFit methodology, just in terms of the variance of training, working across all domains of fitness. That is really the most fit person is one that can demonstrate competence, if not mastery across all of those domains. And boy, that, that, that was really powerful to me. But here's the one thing that I think this came from Greg Glassman, founder, is you fail at the limits of your experience. So it, and he said, he, I think he found a CrossFit on this notion that ultra marathoners were being built as the fittest people on earth. They're very good at that domain, but can they 
bench any amount of weight. Maybe mm. not. So, so he always said with CrossFit, we're going to make you very broad and capable across broad range of activities. But if you want to really master something in a domain, you have to practice in that domain. You have to get out and run 26 plus miles to be a marathoner. So you, yeah, again, you fail at the limits of your experience. So just stepping into my transition is like, I have no experience running a nonprofit. So who might have some experience that I can leverage? No, and I, I love that. And it's just super, it's super humbling. I think, and I just even learning that from you, because I think even in my transition, I lacked that confidence to seek out, to be like, who's going to actually put myself out there as a mentor because I remember when my dear friend, Leslie Coffey, who's with American Corp Partners, she was like, when she signed up to be a mentor and I was like, do I have that experience? And so it's just been really very rewarding for me to be able to share that knowledge. And you're continuing to do that now with our listeners. And I just really want to take this time as well to talk about the North Carolina Interscholastic Cycling League, because I know it's part of a bigger, a wider nationwide league, but I was wondering if you could share a little bit more about the organization and the work that you're doing. Yeah, I would love to. Let me start with a story about my first involvement with this mountain biking organization. It is the National Elastic Cycling Association. It's a national organization. The mission, Mary-Kate, is building strong minds, strong bodies, and strong character through mountain biking. We just use two wheels to do all of those things for middle school and high school students across the nation. So there's multiple state leagues. I am the director of the North Carolina League, and I'll talk more about that. But just think about that. Youth development, youth character. You're like, yes, sign me up right away to do that. But here's why. Here's why I jumped at this opportunity. I first got associated with this organization in Maryland. We were signed up there. 2018, Maryland decided to start their state league, and I helped form a team there. I became the head coach in the second season. And I just saw the impact the sport had on these young student athletes from the confidence building. We got reports. They started doing better in school. We saw it bring families together. This is with this sport of mountain biking. The hashtag for the National League is more kids on bikes, which is absolutely true. That's our goal. Let's get more kids on bikes, turn them into lifelong mountain bike enthusiasts, but really outdoor enthusiasts and being part of a community that just appreciates the outdoors. That's the strategic vision. But really my hashtags is hashtag no bench. Every kid that signs up gets to ride their bike. Every kid, if they want to, they can race. There's no bench. Like everyone participates. And my second hashtag is hashtag more families on bikes. Because this is really, think about this, Mary Kay. What other sport are you aware of where you as a parent can get on the field with your kid and participate? So with a little bit of training, you can become a coach for the team and you're out there with your kid on the trail during practice. That's well, pretty cool. And so that, that was, we, we say in Nike, what's your why? Again, mm-hmm. remember purpose. What's your why? Initially, my why was just being more involved with my son. Again, military service, spending a lot of time away. I want to spend time with my second son, Ian, who was our mountain biker. And oh, I get to be right there with him and spend all that time on the bike with Ian. That's what brought me into to the Maryland League. And so 2020, you get a set of orders down here to North Carolina. And 2020 was the year of COVID. That wasn't, wasn't a fun PCS move for us, Mary-Kate. That was no. uh, yeah, fraught with a challenge for Team Russell. And here, let me describe this. My son was a senior in high school in Maryland. No graduation, no prom him, no traditional rite of passage. My daughter, who was spent, we spent five years in Maryland, no going away parties, no seeing her friends, 
before we left Maryland. So it, it was pretty rough. But the silver lining is when we got here to North Carolina, there was a NICA team. There was a mountain bike team. Mary Kate, literally the first thing we did the very next day, we moved down here. I was out on a mountain bike trail with my two boys, with a family that was on the local mountain bike team here, engaging with the community immediately. Immediate familiarity with an activity, immediate familiarity with quote unquote rules or how we do it. And so we fell in on that team and it was just, it was like a virtual hug, Mary Kate, from that team to my family to help us work through all of the dynamics of what was a crazy year for everybody. This league, this sport helped reduce some of the crazy for my family. So when the opportunity came several months ago, the director position for the North Carolina League, we've got 64 teams right now for a 2023 season, 800 student athletes, over 400 coaches, again, over 400 parents out there spending time with their kids, uh, local community. And I said, oh, (laughs) again, back to the transition point, find some purpose, mission-oriented, service-oriented, let's Okay, I've spent 27 years helping develop, if you will, young men and women with a one mission of mine. I'll spend my next set of however many years developing character and competency and strong mind, strong body in the youth of North Carolina. Sound, sounds like I love that. Can you, can you touch job. on that? What's that hashtag? What's that? Hashtag dream job. Dream job. Yeah, hashtag dream job. Found your purpose, next mission. And I love that it's a family affair, a whole family event. You mentioned about what your kids went through during the pandemic. And I think there's a lot of similar stories probably from our listeners about how their families coped with COVID-19 in that quarantine and isolation and things being shut down and not having, trying to that post new normal. I know some people hate that term, but this new normal that we are living in now, I knew with the mountain biking, it's so much more than the physical aspect. And you had just touched on it real quickly about the mind and just that family, that virtual hug that you all were able to get, even from folks that you may not know that well, but you had that instant connection. Can you talk a little bit more about what your organization does as far as helping with mental health and confidence and things like that. I think it gets to the core values of the league. So let me share those with you. And fun is up there. So people want to participate. Inclusivity. I already talked about that. It's like everyone gets the ride. It doesn't matter your background, gender, race. Like we don't, that doesn't matter. Even ability level will train you. Equity. Everyone gets a fair shot at the mm-hmm. in there. And then the last two, respect and community. And so that's what you experience when you come to one of our teams. It's not all about the racing, but here's where the character development comes in. And the strong mind, the strong body is mountain biking, like we shared, it can be a challenge, but you set your own challenge, right? The student athlete that comes to that first practice, never having ridden mountain bike, the challenge might just be to get on the bike and be able to stop. And you just continue to build the skills and we're not even talking about racing. Another student athlete, been there a year or two, just wants to complete a race for the first time. Great. Awesome. Set that as a goal. We'll just keep tracking you. And it's just, I think this is something about the mountain bike community writ large that I've noticed throughout my time with it. Everyone just wants you to have a good ride. That's my description of the mountain bike community. You're out on a trail, you get a flat, like the next mountain biker is typically going to stop and try and help you get back on your bike. And everyone just wants you to have a good ride. And so that's the culture we're creating here in this league where you do, you join and Whatever that challenge is in your life, you're going to find a coach, a parent, someone that's going to help you through that challenge. It may not be related to mountain biking, but they're going to know that you care about them. No, I love that. And again, caring about people like you did, you spent 27 years caring for Marines and now you're doing it 
further with all ages, people from all walks of life. And I love that the bikes can be adapted to regardless if they're an amputee or they have an injury or depending on their skill level or age, that there's those bikes can be adapted to something that suits them and custom made. It's not this cookie cutter. And like you said, nobody gets bent. So I love that aspect. Could you touch on maybe taking this opportunity to highlight a success story where one of your riders perhaps changed their life or impacted them in a significant way? I think beyond just an individual rider, I'll talk about maybe a, a demographic that maybe when you say mountain biking isn't immediately thought of, and that's our female student athletes. We have a mm. specific program called Girls Riding Together. And oh, hey, love check that. this out. Cool acronym, GRIT, <laughs> Girls <laughs> Riding Together. It's like mine. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So it's a program dedicated to making sure we focus on that core value of inclusivity. You can imagine as maybe a female student athlete, you're the one girl on that team. And so build programs to help bring them into the sport and into the community, make sure they feel supported and pretty proud of the fact that we're upwards of 22% female student athletes in this league in North Carolina which is pretty impressive having started a lot lower than that. And our goal nationally, I think is 30%, but really it's, we invited one of our senior uh, female student athletes to our league summit a couple months ago. So we brought coaches, team directors from across the state and what are we doing? Who need to do better? And we closed with a student athlete panel and Amelia or one female student athlete. I think she, she had the mic drop moment and this is what we're doing with our grit program. And is that she says, not all, riders want to race, but all riders want to belong. And that's why she's still in the league. It's not the racing. It's the program that supported her being part of this community. And so that's, I think, one of our success stories, Mary-Kate, is just we're we're focused on a demographic that sometimes isn't the first thing you think about when you say mountain biking. They feel a little marginalized, small numbers coming onto a team. We're trying to counter that and just make this an all-inclusive family and community sport for everybody. I love that. And then with you at the helm as director, I'm excited to see what's to come for your organization with regards to getting, maybe eliminating that that margin there and just getting more of those girls, young women to, to feel inspired and get on a bike. So again, I love that too. And I think there's just so much to say that when they get, when they're part of that race, that level of achievement and that feeling once they do cross the line. Before I forget the thought, it's on my mind earlier, but how young were you when you first started riding a bike? What's your um, earliest memory, I should say, of you on a uh, bike? Like the one that's seared into my mind, again, rubber side down is always best, is probably riding my Huffy BMX bike. And I can't remember how old I was, but in elementary school, off the homemade ramp one of my friends had built. And oh, gosh. Planning in the asphalt and just road rash across half of my face. You can imagine why I still remember that. Yeah, it's like straight out of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Like one of my earliest memories with the bike myself was my parents bought me a bike that was an actual, it was actually an adult bike. And I think that they were just like, oh, you're going to grow into it. And instead of buying a bike as you get older, we'll just get you a big one. So I literally had to fall off the bike just to like get off, get off of it. But I remember my pedals actually falling off one time as I was going downhill. So I can relate to the crash and thing you experienced. But again, I just love the lessons learned and the confidence and self-esteem building, the teamwork, and that everybody can take part and be part of the race. Just great analogy and parallels there with just life in general, right? And just giving everybody that opportunity to grow and be on that pathway, on that path. I know we're nearing the end of our time together, but I wanted to hear from you if you 
how folks can connect with you, with your organization? How can they reach out and get involved and volunteer? Yeah. And boy, we'd be happy to have anybody's support to get hashtag more kids on bikes. But website is us, NorthCarolinaMTB.org. You can find information about all of our programs. I mentioned just the one, the girls riding together. We have another program we're reinvigorating this year called Teen Trail Corps. None of this mountain biking happens without trail systems. And so since 2023 is the North Carolina year of the trail, we're encouraging our team, student athletes, coaches to get out there and help fix up the trails and be good stewards of the environments. And so that team trail core is a program where we incentivize both the student athletes and the coaches putting in some hours to fixing up the trails out there. But uh, you can see on our website, opportunities to volunteer at our race events. We're a spring league. So we will race six times March through May. Love to have you out. Come check us out. But yeah, we just can't kind of find that same type of vibe anywhere else that I've found in youth sports organization. Team set up in what we call the pit zone. They're maybe decorating their tents and families coming together, preparing for the race. And then just seeing the smiles across the finish line, Mary-Kate, or like the resiliency. You talk about true grit. I've yes. seen this in both leagues now. Poor kids' bike breaks half a mile from the finish line. You know what most of our kids do? They pick up that bike and they run it across the finish line. And just with big smiles, right? Big smiles on their faces. Smiles, or yeah, just that determination. And again, just everyone cheering for all them out there. It's a wonderful venue. So, yeah, if you want to volunteer for that, there's a volunteer link on our website. You can come out and help us with parking or the course marketing. It's, yeah, plenty of opportunities to, to support the league. So, would love to get in touch with folks if they want to reach out to me. Yes, that's great. And just because I know you're so humble, but as far as financial support, you can also, I'm sure our listeners can also donate through the same website, correct? Next to the volunteer link is the donation <laughs> link. Yes, Mary. Yes, <laughs> plenty of opportunities. Yes, for financial support to help this great organization, the North Carolina Interscholastic Cycling League. And I love, again, that it's the whole family affair. So if you're looking for opportunities to support. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll share a little bit about that too. Like we're, again, we, more kids on bikes, we're trying to reach everybody and give them an opportunity in North Carolina to get on a bike. So just this season, this league has awarded over $4,000 in scholarships and a scholarship mm-hmm. pays registration fees and the like for families that are having some financial difficulty or a certain demographic. We have a loaner bike program. So we purchase bikes. And if that kid can't get access to a bike for that season, we will loan a bike. Uh, just to be able to get them out there. So yeah, the financial support is very important as well. But I just want to share what we're using it for, Mary-Kate, is really it's getting more kids on bikes. I think that's such an important note. I know this is, especially coming out of the holiday season, it's a really hard time for a lot of folks and even coming out of the pandemic. So again, for financial support, the fact that you're able to provide that service for these kids is incredible. So, and again, on LinkedIn, you're also out there on LinkedIn. So Brian Russell, that's R-U-E-L-L. So connect with Brian there. Any final thoughts, Brian, before we close this out here? No, I just want to thank you for what you're doing, Mary-Kate, with the podcast, with your mentorship. What a wonderful thing you're doing, just helping these veterans through their transition. This helps me, right? I get to talk about what (laughs) I'm doing. I mean, there's an aspect of that, Mary-Kate. So I really appreciate what you're doing for the veterans. And I thank you again for your 27 years of service and your continued service beyond the uniform. That's what Veteran Voices and why I love doing what I do to be able to amplify your efforts. And I know we're kind of like side chuckling with our listeners. My nonprofit's the Guam Human Rights Initiative. And so when you add the T in there for our team, we're also grit. 
So every time Brian's saying grit, we're sort of like private chuckling back over here, but there's a reason for that. And I just love got grit. So on behalf of the entire team here at Veteran Voices, we invite you to find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. A big thanks to our partners at militarywomenscollective.org and the Guam Human Rights Initiative at guamhri.org. Two great, incredible organizations. You can find more about them there. Again, don't forget to check out North Carolina Intersclactic Cycling League. I will get it one of these days. Brian, I'm so sorry. but Could you say, Brian, real quick, the website again? North Carolina MTB, all one word, dot org. North Carolina MTB.org. Check out and learn more there. Thank you again so much for joining us, Brian. This is Mary Kate Saliva wishing all of our listeners nothing but the best. So do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. On that note, we'll see you next time. Thank you, everybody. Mm-hmm.